welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear stories of someone brave enough to bear it all. Let's get naked. Welcome to the Naked Podcaster. This is exciting because like seven or eight months ago, I reached out to Julio and Kate and it just took forever to get on board. So introduce yourselves and tell us all about you. You go first. No, go first. Um, I'm Julio Mariscal. Uh, we're actually both 33. Uh, birthdays are just a few days apart. Um, we did not plan that. <laughs> um, I'm a surgical technologist currently traveling, usually take contracts every three months, and then we'll just travel full-time with the family to wherever my job is. I don't usually know where it's going to be until we're about, kind of about right now in my contracts, so I'm about three to four weeks at the, till the end of my contract, and then I'll start looking for a new job, so uh, that's a little about me. I'm Kate. Um, I'm a nurse, but I stay at home and homeschool the kids. Um, we do live in a 22-foot trailer now, which he didn't mention mm -hmm. um but so I stay at home with them and homeschool while he works and then shortly especially because of COVID the next contract I will be going back to work and he'll stay home really yeah. okay yeah. yeah that um well first of all I love that that's really great because you guys get to split off one of the jobs that I love and I always tell my kids like if you want a job where you get to travel and you get to make decent money and experience things is exactly what you guys are doing mm-hmm yeah, so it's, there's a lot of versatility to it. Well, you get to see something different every couple of months. And if you're on board for the traveling part of that. So that's how you guys decided to move into an RV. Kind of. Kind of <laughs> so yeah. we always talked about traveling. Like that was always her dream. Yeah. Um, it took me a while to kind of get on board. <laughs> but as we worked at the same hospital for a while as, as full-time employees and Eventually, we just got tired of them cutting our benefits and the politics and all that. Yeah. Uh, finally, one day I came home and I was like, honey, like I am, I'm over it. I'm, I need to do something else. And I randomly clicked on a job posting for Maine. And when I looked at the map, I zoomed in and it was so close to the ocean. I was like, oh, we got to go there. <laughs> and she was working as a school nurse at the time. So it was summer and she's like, hey, it's like a paid vacation. Let's mm -hmm. try it. And what a great way to think of it. Okay. It kind of worked out. That's how it started. Yeah. Yeah. So we looked it up and um, we didn't know that it was such a high tourist area. So we were going <laughs> to do housing, rent a house or a hotel, long-term yep. apartment, something like that. And nobody, it was $1,800 a week. I mean, <gasps> yeah, like and it, and it out more than our mortgage for our home in just a week. So finally we were looking at RVs. And he called a campground, um, Beaver Dam Campground in Maine, and he's like, hey, we're looking at these dates. We aren't sure yet. And they're like, oh, my gosh, those dates just opened up. We have no other openings for the entire season, but the exact dates you need on this one site. So we went ahead and booked it, and we um, went and bought an RV. So. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I didn't know all how it went. So y you didn't even have the RV. Right, no. It was yeah, actually no. like in reverse order though. Like she made it sound a lot nicer than it did. <laughs> we bought the RV first and okay. then assumed that we would be able to find oh, a campground. I thought it was the other way I called, I, I called, I mean, copy pasted probably 20 different campgrounds. Yeah. And they were all booked. We didn't realize that the tourists were that bad in Maine. Right. So then this one that we went to was like a top 10 campground in the nation or whatever. And I'm like, there's no way we're getting in there. But I'll send them an email. And then they responded with, we just happened oh. to have somebody cancel. So 
Otherwise, we would have been stuck with this RV and nowhere to work. <laughs> I, I thought it was the reverse. Because you didn't, the word boondocking was not in your vocabulary at that point. Right. We, yeah, and we had never camped in an RV before. Right. So okay. we didn't know anything about it. And brand then new, brand, new. brand new to the whole situation. We had a van at the time, so we had to buy something small that could pull it. And yeah, it was just a big whirlwind and we only had two weeks so that was a big thing from the day he got jo offered the job to the day we had to show I up about we that. only had two weeks so we had to have <laughs> somebody house sit we had to set, we have three animals we had to find somebody to pet sit we had to find somebody to mow our grass we had like all the little things that go along with it <laughs> yeah we out in a very short period of time but it worked out it worked out <laughs> and, and this was supposed to be to reduce stress yeah right 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 <laughs> exactly Okay, so you guys did it. You got into the RV. You went, and right. what happened? And Kate, I don't remember. I, like I've read your story. Actually, I I read one of your blog posts, um, where you talked about. I don't want to give too much away. I just want you to tell you say enough so that you know what I'm talking about. But it was in the middle of the night. You were standing in the kitchen, crying, feeling warm, <laughs> and I okay. Now you probably know what one I'm talking about. And I was like, oh, sweet. Like I wanted to hug you so hard. Ask, you know what I mean? So I don't know where, what the health issues were and when they started to happen in this process. So you'll have to kind of jump in okay. on when that was. So it was the summer. There was no homeschooling thought at that point. You guys got the RV, you hooked it up. You didn't know anything at this point. And that, I mean, how much did you download information in two weeks about how to RV? <laughs> um a lot of it was just when we picked up the rv we, the guy that um gave it to us did our, our mm. look over he was really good he gave us a lot of information and mm. thankfully our neighbor at beaverdam who's now a really good friend who was yeah. like the best person we could have had he came over came into our rv looked at everything he's like oh this is how you work this this is how you work that and i'm like us, oh thank you so much <laughs> yeah we had no idea and so too before we left our our van wasn't meant to haul and so julio had to put the hauling kit on the car and then we had a second vehicle we had a honda pilot that we were planning on doing most of the hauling so we were doing the same but we took it to a company to have it done and it ended up that the whole back of the pilot was rusted out so bad that they said they wouldn't haul anything in it like <laughs> not even hook up a bike to the hitch oh great okay yeah and so very last minute we had to change around everything so those first those two weeks in between it wasn't like oh let's figure out everything we know need to know about our being it's let's figure out everything that we need to know just to get there right yeah and, and once we got there thankfully um larry and lorraine were wonderful and just showed us the ropes and but we her, fell in love with it her pain started way before that like years ago though yeah. tell me about the kids and how old we're in april 2020 right now as we record how old are the kids and then we can start filling in those gaps so the youngest is aurelian and he's four okay and then emiliano is seven evane is 10 and Xavier is 12. Mm -hmm. oh and four so, okay okay yeah the three oldest will all their birthdays are all in may okay and so they're soon to be yeah yeah <laughs> I we have the same thing between in like five weeks we have like ten I I get it it's yeah it's the same <laughs> for us so you had the kids you were the nurse at, were you always a school nurse and on the kids same schedule since you no. had kids okay no um I became a nurse we had three kids by the time I became a nurse oh all right um, yeah yeah hardest hardest part of our lives I think <laughs> um but 
I worked at the same hospital with him and they were changing benefits and I was a floor nurse and they would give us five patients a day with all the surgeries and everything. It was the same. They were getting the same amount of patients at night as during the day. Yeah. And I did nursing and I loved it, but it was too hard having kids and we just didn't want to do that different in shifts. And so thankfully I learned about a job um, at our local DD school and got the position and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. That's, that's so fantastic. I can't believe you got your nursing degree with three kids. <laughs> Good job. And now your pain throughout that. So, um, I had adenomyosis and it took us years to figure out, but it, I think it pretty much started after I had our first, first child. Yeah. Got it. Okay. It was just little by little, everything became more painful. So, um, you know, hard to have sex when you're in pain and it's hard to just function day to day and so my period would come in a week before and week after I was just in the worst pain possible and so um when our youngest right after he was born I went ahead and had a hysterectomy they took everything but my ovaries mm -hmm. even my tubes and um we thought that was it and then the pain just came back within three months. It started little by little. And um, within the next couple of years, it was so bad again. What happened was I would go to work and I would get so bad. I would just, I would fall apart crying in pain. And even my boss, my director had to drive me home one day because mm -hmm. it was so bad. And um, so then I had the rest of my hysterectomy. They took my ovaries and we found out that I had interstitial cystitis too. And that's probably what was causing most of my pain then. I had done little things like I never was much of a coffee or tea drinker sometimes, but not a lot. And every morning on my way to work, I dropped off our oldest at middle school and I had 20 minutes to spare. So I was like, oh, I'll drive through and get a coffee and a muffin and coffee every day. Um, it's really hard on your bladder, especially with this autoimmune disease. And so within an hour or two, I was in horrible pain. Got so. it. And I've learned a lot. I mean, we both learned a lot about it since then, but she was diagnosed by the PA of the doctor's office that she was going to see the GYN. And after I spoke with a lot of GYNs that I worked with in surgery, they said it's interstitial cystitis is one of those things that a lot of GYNs or, or OB docs don't believe in or mm -hmm. don't oh. um, they don't really think that it's a real thing. So it, all of these appointments and everything that she had been going to, she kept coming back thinking she was crazy and she was yeah. breaking down and crying to me. And I'm like, you know your body more than anybody. If mm -hmm. you're hurting, I mean, you've had three kids, three different ways. I or four kids, but I mean, three of them, or they're all different. And I said, if you're in pain, I know you're in pain. Yep. She, showed, she wanted to have them all naturally. Um, so I, I just knew, like, once we heard from the PA that that was probably what it was. And as we looked it up more and more, sure enough, that is what it, it was. Why time. do they not recognize it or think it's something that's, that doesn't make sense to me? I think um, the symptoms are hard to tell. Like, it coincides so much. Um, and there's, I forget the exact percentage, but it's like 80 to 85%. If you have endometriosis and some form you also there's a high likely that you also have interstitial cystitis or vice versa okay and so the symptoms very much overlap mm -hmm. and what it is okay. is when I eat different things especially vitamin C is a big one like I cannot eat an orange um, or coffee or tea or anything it gives me pain almost directly and it makes my bladder spasm and so it expands and gets very viscous and yep. hard yep. 
And um, so I think a lot of it is probably the symptoms are masked. There's something else. And, you know, and so and I, like anything else, there's a lot of studies that go both ways, you know? Of course. Yeah, of course. So um, I did pelvic floor physical therapy and it was supposed to be for my endometriosis. And then after my surgeries and she, along with the nurse practitioner, they were both the ones that said, oh no, it sounds like interstitial cystitis. So my therapist was the one, she's like, you need to change your diet. You need to. And she, along with the NP really helped change my life in a lot of ways. You wrote the blog article about um, how you had had to, so I've had the hysterectomy and I kept my ovaries and then you had to go back in and remove your, I know what it was like for me going through that. What was it like for you going through that whole process? Um, it's still a battle very mm -hmm. much. Um, so next month, it's a year since they took out my ovaries. And so I tell my mom all the time because I think as a woman or a girl growing up, you hear about um, going into menopause. My mom, she's had hot flashes for 25 years. Like they just never went away. They're a little <laughs> bit better, but they never went away. And that's the most part that I heard was just like she would get hot all of a sudden. But for me, <laughs> these hot flashes is literally like there's a fireball inside of me that just for whatever reason started to ignite. And it is so miserable and uncomfortable. It's not just that you are hot. It's like my skin cannot stand to be on my body. And I just am imploding. And um, it's just so very different. And I told my mom when we were in Ohio this last time, because me the mental health side for me is a really big thing. I've always struggled with depression. And um, the mood swings are more than I had anticipated. And just like... I've always wanted to be touched. I am a very touchy feeling person. Like mm -hmm. it has taken Julio what, 14, 15 years now <laughs> to finally get to the point to realize that like, I want to be touched every second of the day. That's how I feel <clears throat> love. Not in menopause. I don't want him to touch me most of the time. Like I scoot over or I need, mean, and it's such a big part of who I am that I feel in a lot of ways, like I've lost my own identity mm -hmm. because I am that wife that I'm, yes, you're going to kiss me when you get home. You're going to make out with me five times a week and you're, oh. you know, you're not going to let your hands off of me because that's what I need. And menopause has changed all of that. It's just really flipped me as a person and who I am around. Mm -hmm. I was really thankful that I kept my ovaries. And my, I remember my doctor telling me that one of them was non-functioning. It was, he said it was dead, which didn't, doesn't make like, okay, you're keeping necrosis tissue in my body that, so it, but it's not functioning. My right side's not functioning, but I was like, if you can leave them, leave them. And I know with my hysterectomy, cause I had everything but my ovaries taken, um, I felt better in so many ways than I had. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get a hysterectomy at 33, something's not right. So I had felt so much pain for that, like 17, 18 years. It, I, you didn't, I didn't realize how much pain I was in and how regularly until I wasn't anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, when I had the first round and they left my ovaries, I think that's how I felt. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it started to come back and... The second time around, though, I think yeah. because interstitial cystitis was still so bad yep. that I I just didn't get that. And uh, so I, 
I don't know. In a lot of ways, I feel really let down that I let my ovaries go and still it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the part that really stinks. Like, did you, did that make any difference in a positive way? Right. Cause it definitely did it in a negative way. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the pain would have been worse than with, um, the endometriosis because I had started back on hormones trying to do it that way I was still in pain so I went off the hormones and um yeah it's just it's not been the happy experience that I hoped it would be I guess yeah no kidding how long ago was the hysterectomy to com- compared to when you moved into the RV for that first three months um <laughs> So I had the hysterectomy in May, and Julio was already at work. Well, in it. Not the original hysterectomy. Oh, the original hysterectomy, that was three years before. Oh, two okay. And a half years. But then the second surgery? The second surgery I had in May of 2019, um, and we oh. quickly found out that I would not be able to go back to work. Um, I see in itself is a, it takes about two years to get figured out just to be manageable and for people to return to work. Um, so <laughs> he was already though, he took another contract in Maine because we had decided to go back because we loved it so much because we loved yeah. it so bad. So we were going to go back anyways. Um, so he was gone. I ended up needing the surgery right away. My doctor got me in. So we had it in May. And then by June 1st, we decided that we were going to travel, travel full time. So we were wow. already in the middle of selling our house yeah. and downsizing and minimalizing, but it was a very quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was gone and I was post-op trying to sell everything and take care of the kids. And mm-hmm. it was a very, very hectic time. <laughs> <laughs> you did that first three months and loved it. So you're st- that was a couple of years ago. You're still in the RV. Yeah. So it was actually about a month and a half that we were all together because by the okay. time we to Maine um she had to go back to uh, being a school nurse she has to be there you know a little bit earlier just like the teachers so she can prepare for any new incoming students and especially her being the primary full-time nurse she had to look over all the charts of all the new kids coming in with all the developmental disabilities so we were only together there actually about a month and a half for the first time in May um but it, it went probably better than either of us could have ever expected. Um, I mean, we became so close as a family in general. I mean, we spend, at least while we were there, we were spending almost every day playing board games inside. And then there's, um, we're right along their own little private pond. So there was turtles that the kids would catch every morning. Our two youngest would just go out there and without even waking us up, they would go outside and just go start catching turtles. And they would spend hours out there and there's a playground and their own private beach. I mean, there's everything was literally at this campground. Um, And we just all became so close as a family. It was beyond what we could have ever hoped for, which is why we're actually getting ready to go back our third time now before (laughs) all of this happened uh, with the COVID. Um, So that's, yeah, we've been doing it ever since, so. When you left for that first trip and you came home and you go back to your job and um, you move back into the house, at what point during that situation did you realize you missed it and really wanted to do it? And when did full-time RVing come into the picture? So when we were in Maine, we we started even looking at like tiny houses, um, having one built 
before we left Maine. Mm -hmm. um, I had always wanted to be in the Peace Corps and travel and help people. And so that was just there. But we had talked before about me traveling as a nurse. And then, um, so when this happened and it went so great, it was kind of like, oh yeah, this is, this is what we need to do and this is where we need to be. And so we started looking at tiny homes and the thing <laughs> was that we were gonna spend 80 grand on a tiny home and then have to buy another car, a oh, no, big uh, truck like in order. Like a half ton truck. Right, in order to pull it. And so it, we were gonna spend as much money as our house. <laughs> and so um, we looked at that for a few months and even after we got home, and by the way, going home after living in 22 square feet to a 2,500 square foot house, it was so incredibly overwhelming. It was. Yeah. It was just. We started looking at stuff differently, though. Like, why do we have all this stuff? You know, like we don't. <laughs> we don't need this. We don't need that. Um, right. So then we started looking at motorhomes because we we're like, okay, well, tiny homes not an option. Let's look at motorhomes. We started going to the RV shows and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, motorhomes were more. Some were more budget friendly. I mean, they yeah. were going to be cheaper than the tiny home option was going to be. Um, but then after living in the RV, we're like, you know, some of the quality of the materials was about the same as our, our travel trailer, which the kids could easily punch a hole in any of these walls. <laughs> so right. I think we were on Facebook or something one day and we just came across this, um, YouTube video of this bus called Bertha and these people who they were stationary in a bus, they built it out the way that they wanted it. And it that clicked and we just started seeing all of this bus um info <laughs> and all these stuff. other people yeah. who were living in buses and that's kind of what made us jump into that yeah so we bought the bus um we started to sell our house we put it on the market and everything and then we decided that we were gonna go for it and instead of maybe doing it later on that we were would buy a bus now and have it converted and then um, travel in the meantime in the trailer we have. So that's what we've done. And we do it for half the price of what the tiny home would have been. Right, right. Yeah, so. you guys have taken the same, I mean, because we we want to do something very, very similar. So that was the same progression. I think most of us do that. Tiny houses are so appealing because they're pretty. They look like a regular house in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And we actually, um, my husband and I went to California and stayed in one for a few days just to feel out the space, like, but it doesn't matter. They're all eight feet wide. They're all 13 feet. Like the dimensions are, you have the same dimensions <laughs> no matter, right. but just to kind of like, do we see ourselves here? And I hated the loft bedroom. Just hated it. I was worried that that's, I wouldn't like it hated as well. It. Yeah. Like just sitting up in bed and different things. It makes I, it so difficult. Nope. <laughs> And so, but that, but that's what you need to know. You, you guys jumped in thinking it was going to be for a couple months, 20 foot, 22 foot trailer, no big deal because you're not right. there permanently doing right. that long term with six of you and three animals, a little bit different. I mean, what, what's the square footage and what you're in right now about? Maybe a hundred. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's being very yeah. generous. Generous. Yeah. Five, maybe when I did the math. Yeah. So it's, it's small and we get like we're part of the full-time families group on Facebook and so mm -hmm. I just last night answered a thing because a woman wants to go with her three kids she's newly divorced and she's like I'm looking at a trailer that's about 22 foot what do you guys think and it's so funny because so many people are like oh no never we're in a 40 foot we want to go any smaller and if this has taught us anything I think that our bus is 40 feet when it's completed and so we're gonna 
almost double our space and it's going to be amazing, but we could totally do this a lot longer yeah. if we didn't yeah. have that on the mind. Like the kids, they're not upset about their space. They never fight or argue about not having a bedroom again or not having that. They have their bed and that's enough space for them and they're totally happy with that. And probably the biggest issue is our oldest is just growing like the weed and he's kind of outgrown the the RV mattress is a little bit shorter than a typical twin mattress. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's probably the only real size issue that we're having right now. Yeah. And where to put their all big readers. So where to put the books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, so we've been really, really looking more as time has gone on and I love the bus idea and I agree with the, how the RVs are made completely. We have, I haven't been able to quite get to the bus, like have somebody build out a bus instead of that. And part of it, um, I know people that are looking into it. I can finance an RV and do the renovations very, very easily, right? Like I can paint it myself. I know it's a pain. I can rip up and redo the flooring. So renovating an RV and making it your own, but financing it Mm -hmm. way easier than having somebody do the bus build. And that's the only hesitation for us. Agreed. I think that people look at the situation and maybe you guys were like that before you're in a 2,500 square foot home and somebody's like, okay, so all your space is going to have to fit in this hundred square feet. And you're like, there's no way. <laughs> it was, it was very overwhelming. I mean, we would go it into was. a room when we started, when we made the decision, like, okay, we're going to do this. We would go into a room and look at it and we would just kind of stand there in the doorway and look at each other and just shake our head. Like, where do we start? How, yeah. Like, and I think we eventually just made a goal. All right. Every day. We're going to fill up three bags to donate or give away. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how we attacked it and looked at it. Um, And then we got to the basement and we had stuff, still box stuff from when we had moved into our home three years before. And I'm like, well, obviously we weren't missing this stuff, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's just amazing how much junk you accumulate. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you even look in it? Did you look in those boxes? Oh no. Only, um, for the fact that there there are some things we didn't completely get rid of everything i mean there's some sentimental things for your kids or your family that you do want to keep mm-hmm. um probably more so her than me i'm i'm the type of person when i clean if like we're not using it or if it's laying out i'm throwing it away yeah <laughs> that might be a male female thing because it's yeah that might be I, I remember being, so I'll give an example of something overwhelming. I, before the internet, I had scrapbooks, mm-hmm. you know, like 1993 to 2005, <laughs> man, I had one for every year, two inch, like it was no, and it wasn't a little bit, it was shelves and shelves of them. And I love them because they were the memories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember back like six years ago, there are places to put them digital, but it was so outrageously expensive. It wasn't even an option. And then our boxes got wet because we kept downsizing. So they went into boxes and I opened them up and it was devastating. Like mice had got into them. They were wet. They were so gross. And so not only could I not bring them to somebody to figure it out and I got an app on my phone and I would just bring one in, put a towel on the counter and do the picture on my cell phone and save it to albums. And uh-huh. it, it took probably like five months to get through them. Nothing made me feel better. Like that was such a relief because I felt like I was going to lose all of our memories. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was so much space. 
<laughs> it took up so much. So I think sometimes people either are like, well, we can't get rid of this because I have to take the scrapbooks with me, these four mm -hmm. right. huge totes, right. or it's overwhelming thinking about getting them to digital. Like right. there, there's this whole process in minimizing. I, I think we're lucky because we've done it for over five years now right. and we just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And that's made it like, you realize like, I don't care about that. <laughs> but yeah. when you look at the size of stuff, I mean, Dane looked at one last night and he's like, this is my favorite. And I was like, that would be tough. That's a tough one. Right? <laughs> and I'm the one like, get the RV, we're leaving now. And then he shows me a picture and I'm like, whoa, that one's small. That's tight. And he's like, but I, just <laughs> I love the setup. I love how it's put together. So you have to, there's a lot of balancing it out, isn't there? there is. Yeah, there, there is. is. And what we ended up doing was, we started out with two storage units, but they weren't they weren't full size. They were smaller, um, and we had one for things that we were going to eventually put into the bus when the bus was done. Yeah. And then the other one was mainly the sentimental stuff. And then over time, I think while she, she was back in Ohio and I was on a travel contract, she actually combined those down into one. So now we just have the one small yeah. storage unit. So we didn't hey, completely good job. everything. Yeah. But um, that was hard work. You know, yeah. and then also too, like there's the financial part of it for why we did it as our, our traveling as well to kind of be debt free. And, you know, why are we spending this extra money on this extra storage unit when we could, you know, go even smaller. So that's, yeah. that, that's a good point though. We, I, I was more gung ho about going small, but I was also relatively adamant that we have a storage unit. And it can be probably the smallest one that they sell. But like, I, I've had a dresser that my parents bought when they were pregnant with me and refinished. And I'm turning 50 this year. So yeah, I'm not, it's not going to go anywhere. So if we can't incorporate it into what we do, then it's, I'm paying for a storage unit. So there, and I know that that, all I think about that is that that shifts over time. So how I feel about it now doesn't have to be how you feel about it in another year. Right. Right. Yeah. You get to change your mind. And that's kind of what she did. She went through the storage unit and she's like, oh, well, I guess you really don't need this or want this. And yeah. yeah. There's so many things too. And I mean, even moving into the camper, like what we thought we needed to bring, there's so many things. We, for the first three months, I did like a weekly clean out. Yep. We don't need this. Yeah. Why do we have it? Let's get rid of it. And I think that with the house, even that was a big thing. I'm a very big donator. And so there was a local church who helped out the woman shelter and yeah. gave every, it was a free store. And so I was like, you know what, let's get rid of it. Let's give it to them. And that way I feel better about where it's going. It's going to somebody in need. Yeah. And at the same time, we're downsizing and getting rid of everything. So that, that definitely, me. yeah, that definitely like changed her entire. Yeah, like if I had yep. to just give it to Outlook. Goodwill or throw it away, I don't know if I could have done that for a lot of the things because right. I'm a very sentimental person and I, it's just very hard for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think five years ago when we started this, I would probably have a list of 25 things that I absolutely would not get rid of and it's three. <laughs> There's three, but it's like the, my dresser, my great grandmother's desk. That's only two and a half feet wide. You know, like yeah. we could, we'll put that into pretty much anything that we've seen. It would fit into that, but there, and then the, the coffee table, my father made with his own, like that's, but you have to give yourself the process to go through that because it's, it's hard to let mm -hmm. go. It was probably easier for us though than it was for the kids. <laughs> really? 
Well, so it's funny. So our oldest, he was definitely the easiest. And when we decided to go full time, it was very much a family decision. Like okay. we all came yeah. together and made the decision together. It wasn't like, okay, we're the parents. We're just going to decide and we're going to do this. We brought the kids in and we talked to them about it. And every one of them wanted to do it. Um, our seven-year-old was by far the most iffy about it. But so our 12-year-old, he literally went upstairs and brought down everything he was okay with getting rid of in mm-hmm. his room. He didn't want to get rid of his keyboard and he didn't want to get rid of his books. <laughs> Other than that, anything else was fine. Yep. He was so gung-ho about it. And it's very, it's funny how it changed so quickly because when it was time to leave, it was the hardest on him. It was literally ah. a month out. I mean, our house is already in contract and we're ready to go. And he falls in love with this girl. Like it went from girls are girls, girls are girls, girls are girls. So then he's like a month before we leave. Uh, I don't want to leave because I'm going to be away from this girl. And we're like, no, we're so close. (laughs) (laughs) But it's interesting that like, that's what it was. So as parents were like, don't worry, this will pass. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you can't say it like that. So tell me, you have the health issues going on that are just Mm -hmm. really hard no matter what. Mm -hmm. And then you decide to move into a really small space and permanently and you switch to homeschooling the kids and i've homeschooled my kids before and now we're through covid as we record people are forced to online school and i think we need to make the point that the homeschooling mentality is not the same as the emergency online schooling mentality it's a very different community um because this is this isn't like it was when i was homeschooling my kids prior so i had to switch gears to create, make it like it was when I was homeschooling. Right. Um, Cause this is urgency and it's terrible and it's forced. Those are, you don't want these words associated with kids in school. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you guys make that decision? And I mean, you have to, but what was that transition like? So um, I think we're still figuring things out with mm-hmm. homeschooling. And so at first it was kind of like, well, yeah, we're going to travel every 13 weeks. That's the way to go. And do we do just um, Ohio schooling online through that platform or do we find something else? And um, Ohio online schooling has gone through the ringer and been sued in different things. And so we decided, well, maybe not that right now. (laughs) And um, we just kind of went off of what everybody else was doing, um, like, what program do you use and do you really like it? And what I found out about myself with this is that I'm okay with a very fluid schedule. So I, as a person, every day is kind of different, either with my pain or my emotional depression and things like that. So like, I don't need to get up at the same time every day and do A, B, and then C, but my kids do. Ah. And so that was really hard for all of us to transition to because they need a schedule. They need to know, okay, I need to get A, B, C, and D done today. We're gonna start at this time. I'm gonna get a break and I'm gonna end. And I think that's really been the hardest thing is just having that stability for them. Like we're still full-timing, we're still, we before COVID we're doing, um, on his day off we would do like a field trip day, but there would be four days and this was our schedule. And um, so I think that's really been the hardest thing is figuring out what schedule works for them, what's enough in one day, what's too much in one day. Mm -hmm. And um, 
we were following the easy peasy homeschooling, which is great. It's a website that's set up by a homeschooling mom and or parents, I guess, and they did it for their own kids. So they give all of the information for other people for free. Okay. So we started that. That way we didn't have to pay for it and we could figure it out. In a lot of ways, it's worked really well. Um, but there's a lot of things like the kids with having four kids and trying to follow each one of them <laughs> to see what they're doing every day because it's not all together. It's very individualized. And so it's like, it's hard to backtrack and see and make sure that they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. We quickly um, realized so. they need to do more stuff as we try to separate them from the, the digital life. I mean, we've been very um, thankful that like they haven't really done much on social media or been, we, they don't really have cell phones. They have phones they use every now and then to get on the internet, but they can't really talk to all that many people or, you know, mm -hmm. like we've been trying not to let them get too involved with electronics, but we've had to let them do that for homeschooling. Yeah. We don't have the space to carry all of their books and all of their supplies that they're going to need. Yeah. The younger ones really liked, we have workbooks and they really liked them, but they flew through them. Like they're supposed to last a whole year <laughs> and they lasted three months and it was like, okay, well, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but wow. then our oldest, he's, he's very smart. And so he was in the honors classes before we moved. And so to try to figure out where to place him and everything, we got him workbooks, but it, it just wasn't his thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we started out with easy peasy with him. And then the other kids kind of went to it. And then now with COVID, so many companies are giving their programs up for free. We're like, well, let's figure let's it out. Let's one. try this one. And then let's see yeah. what, we, what we don't like. So that way next year we'll really have a foot in what we do like, what we don't like. We've had now the ability to try different ones and we'll go from there. Yeah. So. So just figuring out what the kids need as a whole and what they need individually and what you need. So how, what are you doing the most that's making a difference? I know you said that you get time away sometimes when you need it because the pain is pretty unbearable and then there's depression on top of that. What are you doing on a regular basis to kind of maintain? And then you guys are switching places for work. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you can do so, the first part of that, I guess. So, um, you take baths. I take baths in our <laughs> tiny, teeny, tiny two-foot tub. I take baths. Um, yeah, I, I miss a bathtub quite a lot. But um, for me, when I need time, I'll walk the dogs. I'll take a bath or um, I'll yoga. just I do yoga. Yeah, and that really helps. Um, I used to go for a drive and different things. Like I'd volunteer to go to the store, but with everything going on, we can't do <laughs> yeah. that. No. I could probably still go for a drive, but I'm not going to. So, um, we would I just... argue over going to the store. Like, no, 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 I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> and then, like, then she would win and be like, oh, okay, so do you want to take the kid, one of the kids? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like, no. <laughs> and they'd be like, hey, kids, who wants to go with mom? Oh. And basically, I mean, they love me and they'd be like, oh, yeah, we'll go. <laughs> we can go, hon, I'm fine. I'll stay here. And yep, like, yep why don't you go ahead and stay then? And I'm like, you just ruined <laughs> You ruined the whole thing, Julia. Jeez. Yeah. But yeah. it is important because when you're living in such a small space and you're 
I mean, you're not working an outside, even at the kid working at a school with kids all the time, it's different. You're de disconnecting yeah. from your home and you're right. disconnecting from your kids. I mean, I've noticed that since COVID comes, I love our 10 year old. We've talked about homeschooling her. And now I know why there were hesitations in that <laughs> because, <Yeah. laughs> you know, like, okay, no, this is a real thing. It's because it's, it's more difficult to be in the same house around each other 24 seven doing everything. And then when you condense that space, that's mm -hmm. a different element also. But you guys have been really open about saying the kids have fought less. Like there's all of these benefits out of doing this. Yeah. yeah. I think a big thing too is, you know, I, when we were, before we came to North Carolina, we were in Ohio for 13 weeks and it got cold and it was very hard on us then. Like, I don't think winter RVing and this tiny space would ever be for us because the kids going outside, the kids like during our school day we'll do school and then I'm like okay guys now it's time for outside break they have 45 minutes while I fix lunch and clean and I have my space that they can go and do their own <laughs> yeah and then we come back and they eat and then we'll start back over again when it was so cold outside it really wasn't fun for them to go outside it wasn't it wasn't snowy but it was just cold and awful and like there wasn't that mix up for us and it just didn't work well so i think being here having there's woods literally all around us and so they can go out they can explore mm -hmm. they can do their thing and so me telling them to go outside for 45 minutes to play they're like yes let's go <laughs> yeah. make a fort let's hey can we make a fire like there's so many different things and tools <clears throat> that they're learning and doing it's great for them and it also gives me my mental clarity that i need yeah, I agree. I think that that's, I mean, people that do a more nomadic lifestyle tend to follow the warmer weather, one. Yeah. And it's just more of a, everything's more of a pain. It's more difficult when it's cold, but especially in that situation. And the other thing about having that more nomadic RV lifestyle is that it forces you to spend more time outside. So again, you chase the warm weather. Like, <laughs> right. So that makes complete sense. So tell me about the swap now. Because so, I, I mean, I'm so worried about your health and your pain level. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a I'm surgical technologist. So I help doing, I'm basically like a surgeon's assistant, essentially. When they ask for an instrument, I'm the person that hands it to them. Um, I've never had issues finding a, a job or a position somewhere. But now with COVID going around, every hospital, almost every hospital, including mine right now that I'm at, are doing non-essential surgery, or are not doing non-essential surgery. Right. So um, only truly emergent cases. So, I mean, they have staff that are struggling to get to work one day a week because there's just not enough surgeries to be done. So with that being said, there's tons of travelers that are doing what I do, who their contracts are getting canceled daily. And now everybody's fighting over the same few travel positions that there are because everybody's out of work. Yeah. So we've come to the realization that it's either going to be a big struggle for me to find somewhere. And if it is somewhere, it's going to be probably somewhere we don't want to go. So we've come to the realization everywhere needs nurses. And unfortunately, with the COVID and everything going around, that's just a situation that we're going to have to swap. Because we're in the same position as everybody else, too, is, you know, there's people who are considered essential, who we talked about earlier, aren't necessarily essential who are struggling with, okay, do I go to work or do I not go to work? And we've had that conversation between both of us. Mm -hmm. um, 
but we still have to pay bills like everybody else as well. Right. So um, unfortunately, we're going to have to swap because um, her job is more valuable at this time than mine is until the COVID passes over. Yeah. So now we're just looking like our original plan was to go back to Maine and they have a food truck on site. Mm-hmm. And that's Julio's like one dream is to have his own food truck. And so we were supposed to go and run that. And then I was going to work at a hospital maybe one day a week just to keep my skills up. Yeah. And um, now with this, we're like, well, are we even going to be able to have a food truck? Are we even going? I mean, that's a lot of money that we would have been able to take in. They were going to let us know. work at the campground as well and basically have our rent free, which is a big deal as well. So yeah. yeah. So now it's like, okay, well, we don't know if that's possible. So I need to go back to work. And it's really terrifying because I don't know, like this week for whatever reason has been an awful week for me. I've been in bed and with my heating pad more days than not. And I don't know why. Usually I can say, okay, well, I had an orange slice yesterday. So, (laughs) okay. Or I drank some of your coffee. Okay. This week, I don't know what it's been. So it's really terrifying to try to figure out when I take this job, like it's going to be up to me. I'm going to have to work on my bad days. I'm going to have to put it all aside and just fight through it. And what's really scary is when I was a floor nurse, I literally did not pee all day. So I would get up, go to the bathroom before I went to work. And then 13 hours later, I would get home and go to the bathroom and I cannot do that now. I, I cannot. And so, um, it's going to be really hard. And a lot of it too now, I mean, I haven't been in a hospital in June, it'll be three years and they need ICU nurses and people with experience. And I don't have that recent experience for that specific type of care right now. Yeah. So I'm trying to do everything that I can and take classes in critical care nursing to get myself up to par because so many other nurses that I found that have gone back to work, they don't put you exactly where you need to go according to your skills. It's just, we have people dying and you need to take care of these patients and that's right. where we and I hate asking her to go back to work, but unfortunately, if we want to pay our bills. And- <laughs> right. Thankfully, the bus is paid for, but at the end <laughs> of the day, we still need to pay our student loans and everything else that we have. So, Yeah, it's, you're not devoid of bills when you go to the RV lifestyle. You can minimize your, your bills and your debt tremendously, which is... A relief. Okay, so the bus was bought, paid for, that's done, the house is sold, storage units are whittled down, all of that. So where's the bus? So we hired a company to do our bus here in North Carolina, which is why we're okay. here, why we took the travel assignment here. Um, one day, when we hired them to do the bus conversion for us, because we knew we were not have time or space yep. because of our HOA of where we live, we couldn't even put the bus in our subdivision. Yep. So we hired them. Um, they were doing, I don't know, eight or nine bus builds at the time, plus two Airstreams or something like that. So we knew that they were going to be behind schedule, but they told us it was going to be done in October of last year. <clears throat> so here we are now. <laughs> so they're six um, months late right now. Right. And, right. and we them to death and we've been very, very comfortable with them. And, and uh, um, we went down and, and seen the bus and talked to them multiple times. Um, with the COVID and everything, you know, things have gotten slowed up with deliveries and whatnot, but it is probably 
90% there. Oh, okay. Uh, we told them actually a few last week or a few days ago that regardless, we're going to come pick it up here um, at the beginning of May and taking it as is we'll finish up what we need to because with everything going on we don't know where we're going to be where we're going to end up right um we might not have the option to come back and get it anytime soon so that's where absolutely you're in <laughs> just a few weeks we'll have the bus so. yay okay so before we before we do this release i'll have to make sure that we catch up and get that information um, at least to get it caught up to date um and then what are you doing with the 22 foot trailer well, so our original plan was to sell it, but I don't know how many people are trying to buy trailers with everything going on. Um, my sister and my brother have both had interests in it. I assume at this time we're probably going to keep it and then park it somewhere. I don't, we don't To really. be honest, I haven't <laughs> mentioned it to her yet, but I know she'd be on board with it. Um, I've heard of other people, if we can afford it. I've heard of other people actually renting them out or, or um, donating them to people who needed to be quarantined and isolated right. for two weeks. So if there's somewhere that we can put it and then people can go and isolate themselves at least away from their family so they don't potentially take, you know, anything home, then I'd 100% be okay with that. So That's awesome. Well, and that's a temporary thing also. So Right. Like that get, means that it's getting used for that period of time and then you could always sell it. So that's great. Right. Yeah. How do you feel, Julio, about homeschooling? Oh, I'm, I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny because before we started this, like we always had the conversation of who would work and who would homeschool. And hands down, I would have said he would be the one because I'm the one with the temper. I'm the one that yells. Like everybody I've ever worked with was like, I can't imagine you yelling. You're such a sweet person. <laughs> when I get mad, I get mad. And so yeah. <laughs> I never imagined me to be, have the patience to homeschool. And it's gotten so much better. Like yeah. the, kids and I, the kids know, like if I say, okay, I need some time or something, they know, okay, mom needs some time. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, the parent though. Like I have I have the patience, but I also, I'm harder on them. So I'm like, don't play dumb. I know you know how to do this. Do it. So like, yeah. so. I think the best and the worst comes out of us when we homeschool. I <laughs> I... Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm completely okay with it though. I, I don't have any, um, any. I think issues. like you said the other day, like we're trying to find a program since so many of them are free that we can really follow along and it's easy to check back and see what they've done. So we're still using something other than just our own lesson plans, but it's also something that we can look at throughout the day and say, oh yeah, this is what you did and really keep track. Yeah. Um, I need something that grades it for me because I know that I'm not going to be good at having them show me all of their work, going through and grading it and then entering it in. I need something that does it for me because I know I'm going to miss or overlook something that I'm just very short term <laughs> attention. Span. It's great in any situation to know what you need help with. That's, that's awesome. Cause then you can find that resource. Julio and Kate, thank you for being on with me today. It was so much fun getting to know you guys. Yeah, yeah you, you too.